take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. Let's turn to chapter 5 of the book of Luke. That'll give all you people time to look it up. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I love to fish. I love to fish. I started out, my father, when uh, I was born, he was in Korea. And when he got out, uh, he came back and got me and my mama in Jacksonville, Florida, and moved us all the way down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And oh man, I remember some of my earliest members, uh, memories with my dad was he would get me up in the morning. He said, boy, if I had to call you twice, you ain't going. And I mean, we, we got to get there before light, you know, and all that stuff. And first couple of times I missed my fishing date with my dad, I ain't going to miss that way no more. So I dressed when I got to bed, I was dressed, pulled them covers, and I was gone, you know. And uh, we had a little wooden boat, and it wasn't much. It had an old Evan Rude motor on there, and I remember he had the rope, you know, and you pull it. I'm looking at people and saying, what are you talking about? Okay. Well, we would go to a place called the Everglades to go fishing. And if you can't catch fish in the Everglades, you just as well quit. And uh, we'd get there sometimes early, and the mosquitoes would be so bad because until the sun gets up and they're driven back into the sawgrass, you can't stand their mosquitoes. They got big mosquitoes. And I remember one day I was in the back seat of the car, and I heard two mosquitoes talking and said, should we eat him here or take him back in the swamp? And uh, one mosquito said to the other, let's eat him here. If we take him back to the swamp, then big ones will take him away from us. And so we would get out there, and sometimes my daddy, I remember, would put a canvas tarp that we covered the boat with over me, and he would ride down those canals wide open with that Evan Rude motor so the, you know, to the breeze, keep the mosquitoes off of you. Man, it was a wonderful thing. And every once in a while you hit an alligator, you just go right on. And uh, that's why some of those alligators had marks in them. And uh, that's back when they had alligators all over South Alabama, and then I mean South Alabama, South Florida. And, uh, you know, then they got hunted out, so they were protected. And now they are in every retention pond at every rest stop in Florida. And so those Yankees come moving down there. And they let little poodle dog Fifi. And the alligators have learned French cooking is great. And, and they go, now, your dog is a little bit big. But no, he's not that big. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden they're looking for Fifi. Fifi's gone, man, because alligators have made a comeback and out. So that's where we fished. I remember I used to fill up a Coleman cooler full of brim while my daddy would be in the boat bass fishing and never letting me out of his sight. And we never let a, a dirt road called Alligator Alley out of our sight or you would get lost in the Everglades. I loved fishing. Stuck with me. Then I married Joe. Her dad took me golfing twice. He said, you are hopeless. I'm going to save you a lot of time, grief, and effort. Don't ever go again. But he loved to fish, and so we fished together. And then I fished with my son, and now I fish with my grandson, it's a wonderful thing. I love to fish. Right now in the back of our van is a piece of PVC pipe, caps on the end, and two collapsible brim poles inside it. I don't go anywhere where I can't put something in the water if need be. I love to fish. 
want to read you some stories this morning about some fishermen. But I want to preach to you this morning about to follow him. No, there is a call that comes from God, and it is to follow him. It is a general call given to every human that's ever been born. It's in the matter of salvation to follow me. And when God makes this call, we need to understand that there is a choice to be made when he makes that general call of salvation. This week, as we work with your children, we will make a salvation plea to your young people. And we're praying that God would work. And he would touch hearts. And little boys and girls would come trust him as Savior. I remember I was raised heathen. Daddy finally moved us north, all the way to Mobile, Alabama. When you're moving north to Mobile, you have lived in the south all your life. Circumstances came where they saw how my father was broke up by the death of his mother, and a neighbor lady tried to witness to us, couldn't get anywhere across the fence, sent Wayne Crenshaw, her pastor. We got going to church. For the first time ever, nine, almost ten years old, I heard the gospel in a Sunday school class. There might be some kids that come this week. This will be the first time they've ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel. We will do our best to give a clear presentation of the gospel every time we have your children. There's that general call that comes to everyone for salvation, and there's a choice to be made. But when there's a call to the Christian to follow Jesus, and let me tell you that every born-again child of God receives a call from our Lord, follow me. But to follow him, there's a cost to be paid. There's a cost. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a closeness to be found when you follow him. Just like nothing else. Now we could go to these stories about the fishermen and the Lord calling his disciples. And we go to Matthew, it's in chapter 4. And if you read them all completely, you get a piece here and a piece here, and you put it all together, and we're going to read from Luke here in just a moment. But uh, you can go to Mark chapter 1, and it's in there a little bit. And then first chapter of John, he's calling some disciples, and some more color is added to the background there. And, and But when we get to Luke chapter 5, that's where I want to find our scripture tonight, and I want to go from there. Are you ready with me? Is everybody there so far? Ooh, y'all want any good fishing stories? I've got them. Some of them are truthful. And uh, I caught a bass, don't know how big it was, five to six pounds, literally got it on film. Did not have any of my tackle with me. Caught it on a borrowed Zebco 33 from the guy's grandchild. Rotten line. And I got it in. <laughs> and I got proof because nobody believes me. Garvin Walls wouldn't even believe me. Chapter 5 of Luke. Here's a good fish story. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. What a precious thought. To hear the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And here he is. The word of God. Giving the word of God. Man. Would you press upon him to hear him if he came today and set up? Oh, I would. But you want to know something? He speaks to us just like this book. 
man, they pressed upon him here the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. And they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, look at this, and prayed him. That means he asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. If any of you have been around the water, sound travels well across the water. The Lord made a natural amphitheater. The water was here. The people were on the shore. The sound would carry from the water right up to those people. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, he didn't ask, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. God help us to understand that he wants us to follow him. First in salvation, but oh yes, for every Christian in service. You know what's a good thing about we just came from a a Bible camp, seen this happen in vacation Bible school. Some of these young people, and I'm looking at some of them tonight, and I see familiar faces that are growing up. Mark my words, Pastor, and you know this is true. Somewhere down the line, some of these young people. God's going to touch one of these boys, some of these girls. There's going to be a call to follow me. And at my age, I may never see the end of it. But with my mind's eye, I can see. It'll be a higher calling. It'll be a holy calling. It'll be a humbling calling. And the work of the ministry of this church will go on when us old folks are all gone because of what God might do in the lives of some of your children Possibly even this week. Oh God. Amen. Give us our kids. Oh God. Give them their parents to follow you. Follow me. Man, think of this day. Fishing. I want to say something that a lot of times uh, you see uh, different portrayals of things like this. And it doesn't ever do it justice. 
I don't care if you've seen The Chosen. I don't care if you've seen some movie. But when Jesus was walking and calling his disciples, there's a lot, if you read scripture, that they don't have any capacity to put the film to make it like it really is. I want you to know that that day, when Jesus was walking along the shore, it says in uh, the first chapter of Mark, I believe it is, that he, he was walking along the shore and he, he found them. And uh, he said in John, it says he found one of them. He said, I found him. You know, Philip might have found his brother, but you know, Jesus said, I found him first, you know, these other guys. And he's walking along the shore and he calls them. And don't ever think that wherever Jesus went, it was just chance that he was there. It was never just chance he met someone there. It was never just he went along spreading God's word wherever he went. No, he had a plan. And while he traveled in this earth, he every step he took had purpose. And this day, on the shores of Galilee called Gennesaret here, Jesus got up that morning. He did not have his Google calendar. But if he did, it would have divine appointments all over it for that day. Jesus walked along. He knew there were people that were following him. He knew they wanted to hear the word of God. He knew Peter was there. He knew Peter had toiled all night and caught nothing. There was no surprise here. I wonder sometimes what Jesus said that day in the boat. First off, he goes to Peter. All night long, they've been fishing and caught nothing. I have fished and I have caught nothing. I have gone and I have a reputation. I tell young people, I don't go fishing, I go catch it. <laughs> I was at Indian Creek. I told pastor, I said, you've been telling me a big bass. If I don't catch something, I'm going to fish Arkansas style and fish the dynamite this pond. <laughs> and I was just about to pull out the dynamite. I really don't do that. Okay, calm down, people. It's, it's illegal to do that. Boy, it sure gets the fish, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but Peter, all night long, and they caught nothing. And this is how they made their living. And so they're pulled up, they're cleaning their nets, they're going to get everything put away for the day and try it again at night. And Jesus said, Peter, uh, push this boat out. Let me speak to those. Said, Peter, would you do that for me? And Peter did it. You've got to give him credit. And I don't know what Jesus said to those people that day. But every word he said to them, Peter sitting right there in the boat with him heard. And it must have been something good. Because when he was through preaching, he turned to Peter, and he didn't say, I pray you, I'm asking you. He said, launch out into the deep. Something was said that day, and Peter heard it in that boat that caused him to say, I think I'll do that. Jesus said, launch out in the deep, I'll do it. He said, let down your nets. He said, Lord, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, 
Because there's something I just heard in that sermon. I am going to let down my nets. I'm going to go push this thing out in the deep. And he did not crank up his Evinrude motor. They got on the oars. And they worked. And they got it out in the deep. And it takes a lot of work to run these nets. And I've been with a commercial fisherman. I've run nets. I know how much work that is. And he put those nets out because he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. And then you know how the story ends. More fish than they could haul. This is what I think about this, Pastor. Now, I'm not the theologian that you are. You're definitely a very learned man. I've heard you preach a few places, and I've stole some of your stuff. Okay. <laughs> not the bad stuff, just the good stuff. God will be a debtor to no man. To no man. And he used Peter's boat as a pulpit. And I believe he was showing Peter, I'm going to pay you back. Amen. And he got more than he would have ever made all night long fishing just because he let Jesus use his boat. Amen. Let me say something to y'all. Some of you, God may put that higher calling on your life. Some of you adults, some of you children. I'm going to tell you what's going to cost you to serve God. Nothing. Amen. He'll pay you back more than you can imagine. God will take care of you. Amen. Pastor, has God taken care of you in the ministry? Have you gone without anything that you needed? Did you get everything you wanted? But did you get everything you needed? What about you? You've not always been in the ministry, have you? You had some type of work going on before, didn't you? Did you make more money in the ministry or more money at your secular job? Don't answer that. <laughs> I don't know what they pay you here. Is there anything you need that you don't get from the Lord? Nothing. I'm going to tell you what it, I had to give up to serve God. Let me start with what my daddy had to give up to serve God. How about a life of sin? Destination of hell. I'd have wound up like my cousins did. He'd have wound up like his brothers and sisters did. But no, it don't cost nothing to serve God. I don't care what to tell you. Later on, the disciples are going to be complaining. Lord, we've left all, we've forsaken all to follow you. What are we going to get? You're going to get rule over one of the 12 tribes in the kingdom. How about that for starters? But in this life, Amen. I'm going to give you more than you ever lost abandoning houses, lands, or family. God's given me more than I've ever had. Amen. And serving him is the best deal that's ever been Amen. offered to me. And to follow him, God will not be a debtor to you. Amen. And he proved that to Peter when he gave them the fish. Pastor said we've got to be done a certain time here. To follow him, I want to give you some points. First, he must find you. I'm going to be honest with you. The Mock family living on Oxmoor Drive off a of three-notch road in Mobile, Alabama was not looking for Jesus Christ. God came looking for us. 
And Peter that day was not looking for the Lord. Peter that day was not looking for a change of professions. Peter was just trying to make a living. But I'm going to tell you something. Come on, walking down the shore of Galilee was Jesus Christ. And Jesus found him. God is still looking. He's still finding. I'm looking at some kids I know. God's looking for you. You keep hanging around church like this, listening to Bible preaching and listen to a pastor like this, you know what's going to happen? God's going to sneak up and find you. And it's going to be good. I've threatened many times that if one day some kid that gets saved in one of our meetings comes up to me and says, some girl says, do you remember me, Brother Mark? No, I don't think I really do. Well, I was 10 years old when you were preaching it. And he got saved. And he was talking about following Jesus. And God got a hold of my heart. This is my husband, and he pastors the church. Stand back. I don't care. I may slip over the edge and get just a little Pentecostal. <laughs> I'm serious. Man. To follow him first, he must find you. When he calls young people, do like Samuel. Here am I. Here I am. Listen for him. He's looking. He's looking. And he can find you. Some of you guys might be older like me. And the Lord found you. And called you. And things got away from you. Life got in the way. You started doing other things. Let me tell you something. Bible plainly says in Romans chapter 11 that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He can find you again. And he can find you again if you're faithfully serving God in the church someplace. But if you're not functioning in the gifts and the calling that he gave you, he's still looking for you to follow him. And I can tell you from personal experience, it can happen even after you've helped start a church. And Peter left his fishing business, and you might have to leave your grocery store behind or your pizza places behind, and you might have to go follow him the way he called you first. You'll never regret it. He's going to find you. But to follow him not only... He first finds you. You have to forsake some things. Verse 11, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I don't have COVID people, I have allergies. You cannot follow him and the world at the same time. 
Um, I think it's John or James Peterson. Is this name ringing the bell with anybody? He's from Canada. He's all over YouTube. He's a uh, atheist. He's a clinical psychologist. Jordan. Jordan Peterson. Like you people have been listening to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Saw some quotes from him. And he's close. God, he's close. But he's into humanism. He's into evolutionary Darwinism. He's a follower of Jung. J-U-N-G. Jung. And I studied. That guy's messed up anyway. And uh, he's trying to naturally explain what's going on here. This is your collective psyche. There's really nothing as a God. You just have a, you know, you, it's weird. That's right. But he's close. And he lectures sometimes even on the Bible. But he just can't trust that. He said, I live as though God does exist. And I am afraid he does. He needs to understand that it is not the historical person and the myth of Jesus combined together. It's God. Amen. The God-man. He's close. But he said the thing that turns him off the most from believing in Jesus Christ is people who claim to be Christians and there's no evidence of a difference in their life. That's from a lost atheist. God help us. We don't have power with other people because we get out there in the world and we live just like the world. You can't follow God without forsaking some things. You need to forsake some things. When we sing those songs, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore, the places... No, you don't. I'm going to give you some good list of standards for you to keep. Are you ready? Get your pens out and make the list long. Are you ready? This is it. You're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to forsake some things. And you're going to have to live differently. Oh, I'm fix to tell you where to go, how to dress, all that good stuff. Right now, what to do when you get there? Are you ready to make your list? Number one, ask yourself a question. Is it godly? Look at what you get on before you go out the door. Is that godly? Where are you going? Is that a godly place? What are you going to do when you get there? Is that godly? Well, number two, is it holy? God said, be holy. For I'm holy. Is what you're doing holy? How about number three? Well, I'm putting a tough it's list good. on it. Is it righteous? That's your standing with God and your standing with other men. Are your dealings with men fair and righteous? Are they right? I'm going to tell you what it behoove us independent, fundamental Baptist, King James only, Premillennial, nerve piece of literature in our church. No Sunday school quarterly. So that's what that means for all you people that used to be Southern Baptist. What about we just start living godly lives, Amen. holy lives, and righteous lives? 
you'll forsake some things and you'll follow him. And there'll be a difference. And people are looking for something that is different from the mess that they are in. Thirdly, he first finds you to follow him. He first finds you to follow him. You forsake some things. But to follow him, you find some things. You think about this. If they would have never followed Christ, they would have never seen what he could do. They were fishermen that lived on that lake, but they would have never seen him calm the sea. Can you imagine the God of the universe standing up in the boat? Master, carest thou not that we perish? Peace, be still, and boom. What manner of man is this? Tell you what man, that's the God man. Wouldn't you like to see something like that? Matthew chapter 9, they wouldn't have seen him raise the dead. Wouldn't you like to see that? Calm the sea? Raise the dead? How about feed 5,000 men alone? They found some things because they followed him. And if you will follow him, you'll find some things that you never thought were possible. My wife and I were so encouraged last week. The road gets rough and long, and uh, someone overbooked us too tight. It was me, not Joe. A little girl got saved in her dorm room, and she came up to my wife and gave us perhaps the greatest offering that we have ever had. She said, Miss Joe, I want to give you this because if you were coming to camp, I wouldn't have gotten saved. My wife said, Honey, you don't have to give us anything. I want to give you something. Can't kids give an offering? You can't. She tried to talk her out of it. She said, I want to give you this. And so my wife reluctantly took it and said, you know, Jesus paid everything for your salvation, not us. You don't have to give us anything. I want to. Pastor, she put into my wife's hand a wad of her money that had a little change in it and a dollar bill. And later on, my wife looked in there and it was $18.50. She gave it all. That did something to me. 
I've really not given you all heart of a child. Folks, we have come to love your children. Really, we have. It is a great responsibility that God has entrusted with us, the gospel. This week, we want to see something happen. What would happen if some child this week gets saved and answers that call to salvation to follow Christ? What would happen if God speaks to the heart of some of your young people? Follow me with a higher calling. What are you going to do? Don't do that, Tommy. Don't throw your life away in the ministry. You could be a lawyer. You could be a doctor. God help us to see. If you'd give your child to that, would you not give your child to the mission field or to the ministry? Folks. God wants you to follow him. He'd like for you to forsake all. But he sure wants you to find some stuff you've never found before. And you can if you follow him.